Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Welcome to Pine Glass Preachers. My name is Tom. We also have Gabe and Josh. Right now, I'm enjoying a traditional Midwestern snack, a pickle with cream cheese wrapped in a hard salami. It's delicious. Why am I describing my snack? Because honestly, I don't know where we're going with this episode. I've got nothing. I know we're interviewing a fellow podcaster who is super interesting and hangs out with Jewish rabbis. Wait, are there other kinds of rabbis? This intro may well be a travesty to the podcast art form, but we promise the interview will be the bee's knees. That's old man speak for on fleek, which is millennial speak for super awesome. Let's just get into it. So I'm terrible. an expert on old man speak. I know, right? Because I'm so old terrible. Man. That was great. Well, how are you still alive? I thought that okay. was really good. Hey, it was. Okay. As, uh, good. As, good. As we get into it here, let me do our uh, some social media shout outs real quick. Uh, we want to encourage you to check out our friends at The Gospel Economist. They are our partners in crime. Uh, they're a group of writers and bloggers, which by the way, I was listening to our last episode and I was trying to think, what's the difference between a writer and a blogger? I don't know, except that maybe a writer gets paid. But at any rate, <laughs> um, but uh, they, they cover a lot of great stuff in particular as it surrounds the gospel and uh, Jesus' work for us on the cross. So we certainly encourage you to check them out. Our podcast is also hosted there, uh, but you can find them at medium.com slash the-gospel-economist. And, uh, and we encourage you uh, to do that. So uh, please enjoy the Gospel Economist as well as this delightful podcast. Um, but as we gather together, my brethren, what are we drinking tonight? <laughs> Well, Gabe, we should start with whatever lame drink you're you're drinking. Uh, yeah, I'm still Whole30, and, and actually, it dawned on me today. I started this Whole30 like the third day in, in like the third day into the Whole30 was when we last recorded a podcast, and so we're going to do one more with me still on the Whole30, which is awful. But Wait, like, like one it, more, including this one, or one more after this one? One more after this one. So it's oh, this one goodness. and then another one. Goodness. I know. Goodness gracious. Is Whole30 like a, a trademarked brand that we could get them to sponsor us? Because the amount of time that you've spent on our podcast over the last year drinking LaCroix water. That's true. excellent idea, is Tom. A brand. They may want to. I'll talk to Melissa. Yes, we'll see what she says. Can we get our first sponsor? Oh, yeah. boy. That would be amazing. Let's um, do it. Because of Whole30, I'm drinking Spindrift sparkling water and real squeezed fruit. Great fruit flavor. Oh my gosh, Gabe, we don't really care what you're drinking. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, this whole thing. that's terrible. I mean, it sounds disgusting, but on a better and I mean... I mean, I realize I but, asked the question, but I didn't think yeah. you were going to answer that. Please, Josh, keep moving. Listen, Tom, I, I, I will redeem this situation right now. That's what I like to I, hear. Listen, I went old school with my roots back in Cali last week with Sierra Nevada, or two weeks ago, with Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, or yep. their IPA. Excuse me, Sierra Nevada. This week, I'm taking it local to Chattanooga. The Chattanooga Brewing Company, they just released their Bitter Wheat Symphony White IPA. I'm vibing, and it's quite delicious. Hmm, lovely, lovely. Yeah, very good. We've got a lot of good breweries here. 
Yeah, you really do. I mean, every week it seems like you've got a great either craft brew or you've got you've got something, you know, a nice bourbon or something like that. So kudos to your choice. Listen, of- listen, Chattanooga is on the come up. Well, I believe it. I fantastic. Believe it. Thomas, you. what are Thank you drinking you, tonight? Well, last week I had a crisis in the household and the fact that everything uh, I had I uh, emptied everything worth drinking in the house and so i i just had my 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 pile of cocaine i went through that <laughs> hey, we're not supposed to bring that up tom no i come on i i'm gonna try to go for three straight episodes uh so i restocked we're all good and it has been hot it's been muggy here in minnesota which is weird uh but i am enjoying for cocaine. Y- yep i've been enjoying a gin and tonic tonight and it is fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. And I will tell you, I will tell you, Gabe taught me how to make good gin and tonics because it seems very simple that you just put the gin and then the tonic. And but the the secret is squeezing the lime into the yes. glass first. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. yep. That lime juice is key. What yep. is also key to the success of this podcast is making sure to check out our Facebook page, Pint Glass Preachers. And I hate to remind us, but I also love it, that we have a new feature, which is you can text us any questions you might have of conversations we've had in the past or conversations you'd like to hear us have at 612-208-6258. And no, actual phone number, but it's similar because it's a Minnesotan area code. Awesome. And we actually, man, we were... uh gifted with a plethora of questions and so we're going to go through a few of them and uh, and quite frankly we had such a great interview with steve so we want to get you guys to that as soon as possible so we're going to answer these questions and then uh we're going to hop right into that interview with steve uh, so i'll start us off if if you guys don't mind is that that all right you guys up for it indeed let's do it all right so this is from uh my boy zach werner uh straight out of the a squared ann arbor uh, and uh, our last episode, as you guys will recall, was about That's parenting. what you call yourselves? A squared? Yeah, but it's written as A2, but you're supposed to pronounce it as A squared. Yeah. Um, at any rate. That's super dorky. Just don't worry about it. I mean, so they're, they're in engineering school. What do you expect, Tom? Yeah, it is. So science. Uh, <laughs> anyways, moving along. Uh, so question of the day for Gabe and Josh. Do you guys, as pastors, feel more pressure as parents? He gives us an example. Are you worried that your kids need to be the best behaved in church? Uh, do you want me to start, or you, is you start? On you listen. We. <laughs> oh boy! Thank you, Zach, for this delightful question. No, I don't feel that pressure because we have a lot of kids in our church, and they just run it out. In and out, whenever they want, however they want, however quiet or loudly they want. So, no, my kids typically instigate. And I don't feel the pressure, although if I was in a different situation, I probably would because most people look at the pastor and his wife as, I mean, I don't want to say like to be the, you know, good parenting or perfect relationships. But for us, I don't feel that pressure. Um, Because at least in our church, it seems as if our kids are part of the welcoming committee. But I don't know about you, Gabe. 
Yeah, I mean, and it, of course, I'm in a different situation, a bit bit more suburban than you, and and so family dynamics are different. Um, but I, I also, I guess, I'd say I don't feel that pressure as much either. And I'll put it this way, just because. I, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I, I really do try to pastor out of a place of authenticity. And so what that means is like, my family's going to be as messy as yours. My life's going to be as messy as yours. I mean, and I don't want to celebrate things that are dark in my life, but I just want to recognize that I'm a human being and, and try to minister from that place. Uh, so I really don't feel that. And and I will tell you this too. I mean, I, I grew up a pastor's kid um, and definitely as a kid, I felt, and it was a much more traditional congregation, a very large congregation. And I definitely felt the uh, the fishbowl effect there, but my parents were really awesome about it. Like I can still remember, like when I had a mohawk in high school, my mom like telling someone off at church because they uh, were having a hard time that the pastor's kid had such a edgy haircut. Um, that's this, like a generational thing, or just a church related thing? Because I think Zach's question comes from a place, to use your term, of authenticity. But is that more of a traditional approach to that the the idea that the pastor's family and kids sort of have to be, I don't know, the example or the exemplary example of what it is to be children in a church? Well, the interesting thing is, you know, why that trick it, it, it's trickled down. I. If you look at Timothy, Second Timothy, it's a, the pastor should be the ideal this, 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 and this, and then that also applies to the fa- the family as well. And it does, uh, First Timothy, and, and so that actually is, I was just actually going to go there. almost, Tom, oh, almost, almost. you almost got it, buddy. Only one um, letter off. Yeah, go go ahead, drink the GNT, buddy. It'll it'll take the edge yep. off. Um, You're doing well already. Yeah, but that's First Timothy three, and um. We'll flex a little bit more there, but uh, it, it talks about how the elders of a church, and we, we in our tradition typically think of that as, as pastors, um, should be able to quote manage their households well. For how can they manage the household of God if they don't manage their own household well? And so there, there is something to that scripturally. I think where where like there maybe is a pressure there that that's biblical, but I think there's a way of saying, how, how do we embody that? Like, is it, is it, it's not a surface, I guess that's maybe what I'm getting at. It's, it's not a surface level pressure. It's not like you got to look this way and smile all the time and lead the Sunday school, but it's more of a, like a depth of character answer. Would be well, and I, and I think too, I think you spoke to it uh, of authenticity. It's ma- managing your family. Well means if your kid screws up, if your kid is, being really loud in church that there is a some modicum of discipline or that you just don't let it happen and eh, it's fine it's whatever but no you you go and speak to the child and yeah. you know work on it did you, did you just use the word modicum in a sentence i did i'm really trying to make up for the you know mixing up the first timothy and second timothy so okay you know, well break. you're forgiven for that please don't use the word modicum and and I think it's time we take a quick breather before we get into an incredible interview. Did did you did Williams. you want did you want me to send you like a dictionary definition of what what modicum means? Or I, I'm not sure. No, I learned Greek and Hebrew. I'm pretty sure I'm covered. Perfect. Uh, okay. Yep. Ladies but and gentlemen, I forgot most of it. up next, most of it. Steve Weens.
right, welcome back. Uh, that was a musical selection that, you know, honestly, Josh just probably found some sample on the internet. We have no idea who it's by or what it's about. It's the, but... same, it's the same one every single week, Tom. <laughs> Eventually, you'll get it right. It's the same one. Thank you to our sponsor, Soundstripe, for not giving me any kind of discount for using their music. I paid for that. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so uh, tonight uh, we, we have a special guest here. Uh, we have Steve Weems, who is an author, he's a pastor, he's a fellow podcaster. And so we're excited to have him on to talk a little bit about his new book, uh, talk a little bit about life. Uh, yet, yesterday, if I believe, or, or one of these past few days, he interviewed Rob Bell, of all people. And so uh, we, we might get to hear a little bit about that. But uh, Steve, thanks for being on. Uh, before we go any further, though, we need to know, what are you drinking? Yeah, I have a lovely uh, glass of neat Glenlivet 12-year, so I'm enjoying it, enjoying being with you guys. There <laughs> you go. Good. So, so you are not slamming that down or anything of that nature. <laughs> Maybe. It depends, you know, it depends on the questions. You know? <laughs> hey, there we go. Yeah. I have the rest oh, of the glass just outside of earshot here, so it's good. <laughs> perfect. That, perfect. That is great. Um, so, Steve, uh, before we get any further, I mean, you're a, a fellow Minnesotan. You're here in the cities, yeah, uh, the same room here tonight. But you know, that's all right. We'll we'll get by. So, uh, first off, you know, you have a brand new book out. I uh, tell us a little bit about that. That's where we want to go first. Yeah. So the book's not out yet. It's out in August. Uh, it's called Whole. Restoring what's broken in me, you, and the entire world. And so it really, like, the, the basic premise is that God is always at work, always making all things new, and we can join God in that work. And um, the, the arc of wholeness shoots all the way through scriptures, right? So, this, so I really look at the word shalom, which, you know, it means peace, but it really, like, if you, if you look at it, if you turn it, and see the light glint off of it, it, it really carries uh, the meaning more of wholeness than it does peace. And so um, in the beginning of the book, I look at the five, five of the biggest questions that I think are posed in the scriptures, because I, I, when I read the scriptures, I read them for the questions. Um, I read them to see. So the first question that God asks human beings uh, in Genesis is, where are you? And it's, you know, after Adam and Eve sin and they go into hiding and they realize they're naked, they feel shame. And God comes at them with this gorgeous question of where are you? Right. And so where I go in the book is if we want to move toward wholeness, if we want to move toward restoration for ourselves and for the world, one of the first things we have to do is hear that question again, because all of us, all of us are hiding. All of us are hiding something. And so um, we can hear that question as the question that God asked Adam and Eve, but we can also really hear that question as the question that echoes through, through the generations. And we, you know, we get asked it. So, and then the next question, the second question of restoration is, am I my brother's keeper? Right. And it's, mm -hmm. it's what Cain is it's what Cain says back to God when God says, where is your brother? Right. Yeah. What's really fascinating is that um, that question God does not answer. Right. Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? God doesn't answer it. And so when a question is posed to God and God doesn't answer the question, we know this is going to be a major theme. And so all throughout Genesis, 
brothers are fighting brothers. Brothers are killing brothers. Brothers are betraying brothers. Brothers are deceiving brothers. Until we finally get to Joseph, right? And Joseph um, is, is um, and you know, it's Joseph the technical dream code. He's, he's sort of arrogant. Uncle Joe. <laughs> but he gets sent out. So he gets sent out by his father to go look for his brothers. And his father, Jacob, knows that he's sending him into harm's way because his brothers hate him. They want to kill him. And I think Jacob knows it. So a father sends his son into harm's way. And if you read the Hebrew, it's to see to the shalom of his brothers. So in Genesis 37, it's, it's this really delicious um, foreshadowing to Jesus, actually, because the father sends a son into harm's way to see to the shalom of his brothers. And then this guy meets him in the field, meets Joseph in the field and says, what are you seeking? So that's the third question. What are you seeking? And Joseph says, I'm seeking my brothers, right? So the book is all about um, the stories of scriptures, the stories of my own life, of my failings and my need for wholeness and restoration. And this, these, these questions that we have to grapple with, we have to ask one another. Um, and so it's, it's very narrative and, uh, I had a lot of fun writing it. That's awesome. Honestly. Yeah. And one who I, Gabe knows this from our days at the seminary together, that I was always that guy who just refused to stop asking questions yes. uh, in class. It was really terrible, uh, for my professors, but for me, it was awesome. And I think that's one thing I found refreshing, uh, Steve, as I went back and listened to some of your podcasts and even took a look at the description of this new book that's coming out called whole, because, you know, too often, uh, I think that the church at large, at least doesn't ask those questions or we, we gloss over those questions to yeah. try to get to the answer a little bit too quickly. And I think, you know, maybe that's an American thing. I'm not entirely sure, but the idea of sitting down and wrestling with some very basic questions and how that actually impacts like just far more reaching aspects of our lives and the creation in which we live. And so I think it's really cool. And I think it's very fresh. Uh, it doesn't feel stale to me. So does this mean I can get a promo copy of that book? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd be no, that guy. Right shameless. Can I be that guy? Shameless. It was, it, was really it was. It was. It was. It was. But you, did it work? That, no, I'm just kidding. Yes, it absolutely. No, I'm just kidding. I, I really do mean that, though. Um, I do mean well, that. Thank you. I, thank you for that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, do you mean all the nice things that you just said, or <laughs> are you talking about meaning that you want a free copy of this book? No, 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 no. I was meaning I, I really like the interrogative approach to a book. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Well, I thank you, really. Um, over the last seven or eight years, I've actually been mentored by a, this. It's going to sound funny, I, but I've been mentored by a Jewish rabbi, not Jesus, an actual <laughs> Jewish rabbi. <laughs> His name's Alan. And uh, so we sit down together with little groups of, you know, 10 to 12 people and we do Socratic scripture studies. So, um, and that may sound like the most boring thing in the world, but it is, it, it is the most electrifying uh, experience because he just leads through questions. Right. And so the question, you know, what does it mean? Like if you're studying the seven days of creation, what does it mean uh, to be lost in the, the tohu vavohu of day one before light gets spoken into creation. You know, what does it mean to get lost in that inky blackness, the, as Eugene Peterson translates it in the message. Um, and so 
I just find it much more interesting to sit with the questions. I mean, and that's, you know, it's very, um, I mean, the rabbis, you know, that's what the midrash uh, is, right? It's this, it's this, it's this beautiful uh, collection of arguments between the rabbis about what the scripture means. And so my main critique, you know, and I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm, I come from the evangelical stripe um, though. I have a love hate relationship uh, with my tribe uh, to be very honest. We all do but, yeah, <laughs> with you. our respective Good. tribes. Yeah. Good. Yes. But but my main critique is we're we're addicted to certainty, and it doesn't get us anywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's there, where where there's no inquiry, there's no growth, right? And so mm-hmm. if we're just protecting the answers that we've always had, um, then then there's no expanding. There's 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 no joining God in God's ever revealing, right? Because if God is infinite, then we will we will continuously be learning more and more and more about God. We won't, that systematic theology that we think we nailed down at seminary, you know, is important. Certainly I'm not dogging that, but it, but it, but it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't replace continual inquiry. So, and, and oh, so that's just not true. We, 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 Martin Luther told us all we need to know. <laughs> and that's where uh, learning stopped. This interview so, is over. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, we are done. Yes. That's right. That's right. How dare you in the 500th year of our? I'll tell you this though, yeah. um, Tom. You 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 brought up that I got to interview um, Rob Bell, which I did, and it was sort of this beautiful. Um, uh, um, it was really fun. But one of the questions I asked him was this this question about Harry Potter, and he goes, "Oh, every." I go, Rob. You know, I mean, of course, you know the Harry Potter story, right? He goes, "No, I don't." He goes, "Every, every single person in my household." is obsessed with it, but, but not me. And I almost <laughs> turned, I almost turned it off right there. That's it. Rob, yeah. what? Love Over wins. Love wins. I love, uh, you know, everything else. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, but I'm going to break up with you right now because you don't like Harry Potter. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, you, I, you, you mentioned Rob Bell and, you know, I, I, we don't need to rehash uh, your entire interview because we'd actually like to point people towards your podcast and yeah. they can go hear it for themselves. Uh, but, you know, obviously Rob Bell is a huge, a huge figure in, well, Christendom, maybe uh, at least in literary uh, circles and, and is having a huge impact on the way people think about Christianity, about the Bible and things like that. Uh Tell us something surprising that he said to you in your interview. Something that that you just kind of like, wait, wait, what? Except for the Harry Potter part, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, that was surprising. Um, no, I. Um, number one, I think uh, he just he was very <laughs> gracious and chill and cool, and you know what I mean. So that not that that was surprising, but he had time. He wasn't in a rush. He was interested in the questions that I had to ask. Not that that was surprising, but, you know, but I think a guy like him who does a million interviews and not all of them are flattering probably. Yeah. And I sort of gushed. I mean, you know, there's an embarrassing amount of gushing probably in the, <laughs> you know, in, in, in my questions. But um, I think, I think what, what surprised me the most, it wasn't surprising because I think this is what those of us who, who appreciate him, his curiosity level is so sky high. I mean, it's like, and again, I, we sort of know that about him, but, but talking to him and asking questions of him, 
he and he's he's rigorous like when he yeah. so so i'll say this the way that i got the interview with him is his literary agent is my literary agent so we we share agents and so that's that's how i got it it wasn't because you know yeah. hey he asked me hey steve could you please have me on your podcast <laughs> um so you know the secret's out of the bag but but um and so um he's actually he says, he's been asking us and we said no steve leans first you wait then, uh, that's right <laughs> yep no yeah. what, you have the seat of honors like you'll hear him say something like, Hey, I've been working on something for a couple of years. And, um, cause my agent has been his agent for 16 years. He goes, Steve, when he says that he really has been working on that for two years and then he brings it out. Right. So most of us are sort of flying by the sea of our pants and we're, you know, thinking about the podcast topic that morning and we're writing down a few notes. You guys don't do that. No, Other you people. Can tell we're no, no, we're that. So, you know, his, his, his level of rigor, and you can disagree with him, go ahead, anyone. You can say, I don't like his hermeneutics, go ahead, anyone. But he can put together like a system of thought uh, and he can take it all the way out like no one I've ever seen. Um, it, it's, it's, cool. it's, it's really, and, and I think people don't understand um, um, the level to which he takes seriously the scriptures and the, and that so if you read this book you're going to be you're going to be shocked by his love for the scriptures yeah and i think that's the interesting thing about him i, I think you brought up a good point you, you love him or hate him yeah. disagree with his theology or whatnot uh the fact that he's asking these questions is good it challenges all of us to be thinking more deeply ab about what we believe yeah you know, not just holding on to like, well, this is what I was taught and I'm never, I'm never ever going to stray from that or think of it from a different perspective or from a different angle or things yeah. like that. And I think that's what he does so well. You said it great, really well, like the, his level of curiosity and the way he thinks through things. I just imagine him every morning just having like, it must take him forever to just get ready in the morning. Cause he's like, what if I put the milk in the bowl first? <laughs> and then he has to sit down and write half a chapter about that that thing that he just thought about you know i i just imagine it must be painful but i'll tell you this about it too though and, and not that you know i mean we all have our disciplines but one of his disciplines is he doesn't get on electronics until like late into the afternoon Wow. right you know i mean unless he's doing an interview or whatever you know but he, yeah. so he's not on and so it, i i was challenged by that you know, to say like, yeah. if, if, if I'm on Twitter and Facebook and email all day, my creative juices are being sapped. I mean, yeah. you're, you're just spending that energy, right? And so as pastors, as thinkers, as podcasters, as people who are hopefully um, adding to the conversation, one of our challenges is how do we create space in our lives to stare out the window, you know? Um, versus uh, versus continuously checking our stats and and we're all guilty of that right i mean how many people are following our deal um i've checked or, or seven people... times since we've started this interview <laughs> yeah shame on you Tom. Shame on right Tom. but but it's I'm like i do that <laughs> well so steve i'm, I'm gonna move us on because i i, yeah. I do i want to talk more about your book and, and your your line of thinking but thanks for indulging our curiosities um yeah actually as Love i it. told my wife before this i said I'm so excited because I get to talk to a guy who talked to a guy who knows Oprah. 
So um, <laughs> I uh, feel pretty much famous now. Your life is uh, complete, Gabe. Congratulations. Three degrees to Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. It's happened. I just watch Weight Watchers commercials, and I feel close enough. <laughs> but uh, no, that aside, the, you, Steve, as you were talking about restoration, yeah. uh, you know, certainly, as I'm sure you know, one of the, the hermeneutics uh, ways of interpreting Scripture that, that we have as Christians, and uh, we, we really emphasize it, at least in, our, in the Lutheran tradition for us, is uh, this idea of, of uh, Christocentricity, right? That is yep. Christocentric, that everything's pointing to Jesus. And so, um, you know, as you speak about this idea of shalom, uh, one of the questions that I've actually always wondered about, and I wonder if you'd shed some light on it, is in, uh, I believe it's John's account of the resurrection. Yeah. Oh, boy, I could be wrong. But he shows, he, Jesus shows up to the boys, and, uh, and the first thing, maybe it's Luke's, doesn't matter, but he shows up to the boys, and the first thing he says is, uh, peace be to you. Yeah. And I've always, like, in my heart wanted to say, oh, he's saying shalom. There's no way he's not saying shalom, right? New creation, like, it's all happening. Uh, am, am I off my rocker there? Well, sadly, he's not saying shalom. I mean, and, and that is the, like, if there was one mistake he ever made in his life, it, it was not saying shalom. <laughs> 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 yes, we went there. No, I love it. So, I mean, of course, um, you know, he's speaking Ar Ar Aramaic and we read in the Greek, but the Greek is Arene, right? So, right. which carries a different uh, connotation um, to, but remember, these guys were freaked out these guys were hiding behind closed doors. These guys had every reason to believe that they were next in terms of being, being crucified. And so, you know, you got to think like, and, and, and he, but, but here's what happens, right? Within, if you read the text, he breathes on them, doesn't he? I mean, he, he breathes on them. So what we have is another beginning, right? Because in Genesis one, God breathes into the man, Adam, and he becomes a nefesh, a living soul. And so, in a sense, Jesus, the Christ, the risen Christ, is reenacting another. And, and, and so, you know, yes, they're behind closed doors, they're in a room, uh, but the metaphor is speaking loudly of they're in death. I mean, they're, they're in the tomb right now, you know, yeah. and, 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 they're, and they're dead. I mean, they, they are hopeless and dead because they don't totally know. They don't totally, you know, they don't who is this person that's been there? They sort of are starting to believe it's Jesus. So what we're seeing here is another new creation and another new beginning. And, um, and John is, a, is a, I mean, John, the writer expert at, at tying back to Genesis. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what he does. If you read John one and John 20, I mean, it's crazy what he does. Right, you got the so, whole Jesus being the gardener at the resurrection and, <laughs> Yeah, uh, yes, right. I mean, yes, there's just so yes, much there. Yes, yes. thank you yeah, for seeing that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And John, one thing I love about John's, it, it kills me when, um, no offense, Steve, but many evangelicals will point non-believers to the Gospel of John first, and I'm like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like that's like that book, that Gospel in particular, but that book of any book in the Bible, yeah. like, raises more questions. Oh, and yeah. it offers insight. You know what I mean? And like that's one thing I love about the book of John is every time I read it, I'm like, dude, this doesn't make sense. You yeah. know, what what is actually happening here? Um, and so it things, especially with his obviously knowledge of, you know, Hebrew and the Old Testament scriptures and those kind of things. But one thing that's kind of piqued my curiosity in our conversation so far is have you always been a lover of Hebrew? Because anyone who's studied Hebrew who is not an an actual Jew uh, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. knows how difficult that language is. But yeah. I, I, I've appreciated um, not just in our conversation tonight, but in previous conversations you've had about this really digging into the Hebrew language. And I have loved Hebrew. I've fallen behind on my Hebrew, much to my own chagrin. However, have you always been a lover of Hebrew, or was it just when you started hanging out with Rabbi Allen that you got back into it, or has this always been a passion of yours? No, man, it really, it really was because of Rabbi Allen. So again, seven or eight years ago, and he uh, introduced us not in an academic way, but in a very living, breathing way into the language. So you know, for for the listeners, right? So Hebrew is very, it's, it's, it's a very compact language. There aren't that many words. And so words have to do a lot of heavy lifting, right? I mean, this word, uh, like the word for worship is also the word for serve, is also the word for bow down. Is, you know, so so um, you can do lots of interpretive work with Hebrew. And that's what I think I love the most is that you really have to go, well, it could mean this, or it could mean this, or it could mean that, it could mean that. And you can see that as limiting, but you can also see that as very expansive. So, yeah. but, but number two, I'm, I am absolutely convinced that you cannot understand Jesus. You, you cannot understand Jesus without understanding the Hebrew scriptures, yeah. because almost everything he's saying is, is it's a direct thread back. And so when we say like the Hebrew scriptures point to Jesus, it's really fascinating because most of what he's saying is pointing back to the Hebrew scriptures, right? Yeah. You know, oh, for and sure. so it's, it's yep. this beautiful give and take. And so even like I, I ref, that's why I refer to them as the Hebrew scriptures instead of the Old Testament. Um, mm. the Hebrew scriptures and the newer covenant. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so th- my, my love for the Hebrew comes out of my love for Jesus too, because that's good as a Jewish rabbi. And, and some people say, well, he wasn't really a rabbi who cares. Um, but as, as a Jewish teacher, he, he knew the Torah, he knew Isaiah, he knew the Psalms, um, it, it probably had them memorized. Um, yeah. and he, m- most of his teaching was coming straight out of that. <laughs> So great question. And I love it. And I'm a complete nerd when it comes to Hebrew, like the people in my church, you know, like, like they, they, they have to be nerds. Like they, we have a bunch of beautiful, amazing. And the way I teach at, at our church is Socratic. Like, you know, there's only, you know, maybe 200 people in the room. So I'm asking questions that are very non-rhetorical and there's response and the kids are at kids are responding um, and then it goes a different direction. I mean, it's, it's, um, uh, so we say the voice of the chorus is better than the voice of the solo, even in sermons. And so that's, and, and that's what the Hebrew does. Right. And so, you know, when you read the Midrash or you read the Mishnah, it's this conversation between rabbis that are arguing in essence about what this means, but it's not a bad argument. My other rabbi friend, uh, Rabbi Natan talks about an argument for the sake of heaven. We're going to argue, but we're all on the same team, even though, you know, we may go to the death here, but um, it's an argument for the sake of heaven. So what do you think? Gosh, I wish we could rescue that perspective in the Christian church. I mean, I think it's so fast. It's so fascinating and incredibly, I mean, just profound. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's something that I think that we can take in our own church. Something that I want yeah, I mean, something I want to shout out as as the non-pastor in the group here is something I've been talking about with, I know I've talked about it with, with you, Gabe, I've talked about it with my dad and things like that, is just this idea that 
that in the worship service, when, when we do have the sermon, this, this idea of being able to raise my hand and ask a question to be able yeah. to respond and have a, have a conversation because so often, uh, you know, the pastor will go somewhere. I was like, well, I'm not following you exactly. And I'm an intelligent person and I'm not sure where you're going with this. Can yeah. we back up a second? Or, you know, a, a word is said or, 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 or something that, that doesn't make sense. I, I love that idea of, of being able to have a give and take. Because uh, well, I, I think that's what we see in, in Scripture, too. We see Jesus talking with his disciples and, and having conversations. Absolutely. And if the pastor is secure enough to be able to, like, not ask rhetorical questions, you know, it's like, I have a, I, ha- I mean, I'm going to ask this question, but I know the answer. <laughs> you know, because that's ridiculous. I mean, and people shut down. Like, if, if if you do that, they smell blood in the water, and you will not get a peep. Yeah. But if we, as teachers, as professors, pastors, if we look at these environments as there's God's word, which is living, breathing, active. There's my own voice, which is living, breathing, active. But there's also the voice of the listeners. Mm-hmm. And if those three, let's call them three, even though listeners are more than one. Yeah. those three things can come together and interact with each other, then you have a powerful dynamic exchange, right? Yeah. But if you think that only one of those things, and usually, and, and that's again, my, my critique on most of us, then I say us, us preachers, yeah. is we think it's all us. Like, and even the word, like we, you know, well, the word is the word, but I'm going to now give my thoughts on it and my careful illustrations and my funny joke and, and it's kind of, you know, it's like, ugh, um, that's, that's, that's one dimensional and it's okay. It's not, it's not useless, but it's limited. So can I, I maybe, maybe this is too much of a rabbit trail, but I'm maybe going to push back on, on all of this a little bit, all three of you guys. Um, yes. and, and Love that, it. Uh, uh, you know, we have, uh, we have this, uh, at least in our tradition have, uh, you know, what we'd call a, uh, the performative word or, or really a theology of proclamation yeah. uh, that, that we would say there's, there's something that happens like that, that you do the word to someone that, that you speak yeah. the word of God into someone's life. And so one of the questions that's, that's coming up in my head is like, yes, discussion is awesome. And when it comes to, you know, uh, teaching and, and didactic opportunities, great. But is there not a moment when the performative word needs to just do what it's meant to do? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I'm not, thank you so much for bringing it up. And I'm certainly not, you know, um, bagging that. And I think when I talk about discussion, it's not like there's... Well, I am, though. I will. Yeah. Okay. Tom, <laughs> stop. Go, go, you stop, go. Tom. Go, Tom. You know, I, you know, both of these guys know, I, I, I listen to their sermons all the time, and they're both good preachers. Uh, but I've spent, I've spent a lifetime listening uh, to a lot of different pastors and there's some pastors that just th- there's no doing of this of right, this yeah. word that you talked about, Gabe. Yeah. It, it's it's just over here to the left and over here to the right and not making any sense and things like that. And and at that point, that's when I say, it, yes, I, I I agree that there's this time when you know this this preaching of the word and you just let it wash over you. But if it's not making sense, if you're not reaching the people, well, then you're not doing what you're trying to do. Yeah. Well, and so well, he, here's here's how I look at it, and whether or not you have discussion, um, because I don't think you have to. I don't think that's the magic bullet. But if the preacher isn't, 
The reason why preaching is exhausting, guys, right, yep. is, is not just because you're saying some words. It's you're holding the room. Yep. The Spirit is working in you, mm-hmm. and you're holding these people in, in some mysterious metaphorical way. And, and so, like, when I get done preaching, my back is sore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and, 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 and so it's, it's, it, it is always there's a sensitivity to the Spirit on what people – because if you proclaim the gospel – it doesn't do anything unless people are, something's happening in the hearer, right? Which right. is up to the spirit, but, but it's also this sort of weird participation between me and the person and the spirit. And so it isn't just the spirit and the person or me and the spirit. It, it's, it's a, it's a dance. You're right. And I yep. think that's, um, again, discussion. Great. No discussion. Great. But if you're not, if you're not sensitive to what's happening in the room, and you know how it feels like to like sense nothing's happening in the room. Yeah. Right? Well, I don't actually. I always preach perfect sentences. So. Uh huh. Yeah, but, right, Gabe. But Josh you know can what? speak to that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm really adept to this. Uh, you know what's really funny, or I shouldn't say funny, but terribly ironic about our conversation right now is this morning I was reading um uh about I forget which parable it was exactly, but Jesus then died, and he's like, uh oh, is a parable of the um of the soil, and he goes. Now let me tell you what it means. You know what I mean? And so I think that was a really great synopsis of sort of some of the things we've been talking about in terms of Jesus was proclaiming this parable and he was sharing this story and the disciples didn't understand it. So he kind of pushed pause and took some time to pull them aside and said, look, uh, there are going to be some people who hear this and don't actually hear, who don't hear what I'm saying. You know, they're going to see, but not actually see. Let me just be very frank and direct. I'm going to tell you what this means, guys. You know, but even after yeah. that, they sort of missed it. And I like how you describe that, Steve, as kind of this dance and this this mystery of what happens when, you know, when the word is preached, whether there whether it involves, you know, avid discussion or not, that it's this kind of mysterious engagement between humanity and the spirit of God and a lot of breath, you know, a, yeah. a lot of breathing. Yes. And there's something in that yeah. that you can't ever really put your finger on, but I appreciate how you said you got to feel it because there are times, at least I know, I mean, best preacher, but I do know that there are times when I feel like, okay, let me offer a little bit more explanation here than what I had planned in my outline or that I've been thinking about in the week. Or, you know what, I'm just going to leave this question hanging and move on, even if I had an explanatory, you know, kind of paragraph after that or something to it. It's It's a living experience. I mean, that's, I think that's what I love about it, you know? It's so it's tiring and exhausting, but it's refreshing because it's such oh, a such a living experience that is is unique each and every you know time it happens. It's well said, man. It's well said. Yeah. Hey, listen, I don't want to. We don't want to keep Steve all night, but I do want to talk about your other book, if that's all right. Just yeah, so folks yeah. know that that you've uh, when you you have a devotional as well that you've written, correct? I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we, well, we can talk about that too. But I want to talk about yeah. beginnings. Yeah. Um, so what what inspired you to to write that book? So Beginnings uh, came out uh, in January of last year, 2016, and that is uh, a look at the seven days of creation, right? But 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 not in a, like, who cares if it was six, 24-hour period? I mean, I don't right. happen to believe that it was, but that's, that's so far from what I care about. Right. So the seven days of creation, um, so how, how stories start, how a book starts really matters, even the scriptures. And so it's telling... It may seem obvious that the scriptures start with creation, but 
the way that that poem goes is very instructive. And so um, day one is light out of darkness. Day two is let there be an expanse in between the waters. Day three is let the vegetation shoot out from the ground. Day four is let there be sun, moon, and stars. Day five is let there be creatures. And day six is human beings. Day seven is uh, stopping uh, or Sabbath. Cracking a and cold so, beer. <laughs> Cracking crack an ice cold beer. But it's oh, so, Tom. Uh, oh, Tom. So where I go with that, though, is the seven days of creation are is is a kind of way to understand how all beginnings work. So the book is called Beginnings. And so, um, you know, we've all had experiences of, so it, it starts with Tohu Vavohu. That's where the chaos and before the light comes, before God speaks light on day one. We've all been through those really confusing, we lost our job. Uh, we lost a loved one. We got a cancer diagnosis. Uh, you know, even our washing machine broke and there's water everywhere. Our basement flooded. Uh, the twins ended up in last place, uh, you know, the, for the fourth year in a row. Um, it, um, and then some mysterious, in some mysterious way, God speaks presence, right? And so the light of day one, of course, isn't the sun. The sun is not created until day four. So the delicious rabbinic question is, well, what is the light of day one, right? I mean, what, what is that? And to answer that too quickly would be to miss the whole point. But um, uh, it, so on and on and on, I go out through the seven days of creation as a way of understanding our own lives, where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. So it's kind of like a mall map, like, oh, man, I'm in a day two season. So day two is all about being expanded like uh, my wife um, so we had Isaac our firstborn and then she got pregnant with twins so Ben and Elijah and you know being she was expanded and she went 38 weeks and she carried those boys to full term Elijah was seven pounds Ben was eight pounds and she was expanded so what are the seasons in our lives where God wants to do something in us? God births something in us, but we need to go through the hard, uncomfortable work of expanding. Like maybe, you know, when you move from Austin to Michigan, right? Yep. Um, yep. You know, probably, and I don't know the story, but I, I bet if we sat down, you would tell about the chaos of that and then about the expansion of that. So then day three is vegetation shoots out of the ground and it says in Genesis 1:11 with seeds within it, right? And so there's a sense of on day three, uh, that's when life comes out that bears the future within it. And so when, when the vegetation comes with seeds within it, what that is saying is, um, that, that the, the future is, is tied up in that moment. And so, you know, Jonah's three days in the belly of the, of the fish, Jesus three days in hell. I mean, there's all these, there's the, this repeating themes of day three. Yeah. And so, um, the book is like whole, my newest book. It's a, it's a narrative work of my own stories and the stories of scriptures that are trying to 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 figure out like where we are in the in the journey of spiritual transformation um not that it's a roadmap i don't i don't buy that but 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 it is a way of saying um if i know where i am i can start to see at least where i'm where i'm going according to the scriptures mm -hmm. yeah. so um so, yeah that's that's beginnings so steve just would you just be 
my personal pastor then because I was just like, oh man, that was really good. I, or or maybe just pastor my church. They need a good one. So, um, <laughs> oh, hey, you're what are you uh, only like eight hours away, ten hours away now, Gabe? Something like that. Like ten hours away, bro. Give me your loading. Come on. All right, perfect, perfect. Thanks, man. Oh man, that's awesome. That sounds fascinating. I, honestly, I'm gonna pick up both your books after this because they it, your work sounds incredible. So uh, thanks for for the work that you put into that and for spending time with us. Well, speaking oh, of man. speaking of your books, Steve, we want to give you a, a minute here to tell us about all your websites and your podcasts and where we can find you and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. So uh, my website, steveweens.com. So that's Steve and then W-I-E-N-S.com is where you can find my blog, um, links to my books. You can pre-order whole or you can order beginnings. Just the links are all there on my website. My podcast is also, you can, you can find it on my, um, on my website, but the podcast is called this good word. And, um, I, it's, it's so that the tagline is, um, reclaiming what's holy about humanity. And so I tried to take one word at a time and I sometimes cheat, but I try to take one word at a time. And sometimes I interview people, um, like we talked about Rob, but I, frankly, my most, to be honest, my favorite interviews are with people that you haven't really heard of. Like there's this woman named Caitlin Curtis. She's a native American author that I just interviewed and she's coming out with this book called glory happening in November. And I, I got a chance to read the the arc and it is gorgeous. And this woman is on it. Like you're going to want to interview her, read her book. So, um, and then I interview um, Rabbi Allen, this guy that I've, that I've talked about, he's been on five times. And so, uh, and he, you know, so when we're on it, we just, like the last one, we looked at Genesis 15. We just, we, we had to do two episodes, like, like part one, part two, because nice. it was just so juicy. Nice. And so, so this good word is what my podcast is called, iTunes or wherever. SteveWeens.com is where you can find my writing and my books and the podcast. And um, I do some speaking here and there. So, um, you know, if, if, if your tribe, um, you know, or if you're a pastor and you need a Sunday off, I do travel and I love to get together with people, especially to be honest, smaller churches, uh, to where I can get together with the staff and get together with the pastor and kind of talk and hang out. Um, so all that stuff's on the, on the website. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for sharing that. And yeah. uh, we certainly good listener. We highly recommend you check out Steve's stuff. And um, as you can tell, clearly a dude worth listening to. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks you guys. Uh, I really loved it. Really loved being on the show. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on, Steve. Steve, we yeah, we appreciate your time. Uh, you know, we'll we'll look forward to your book in August. And uh, until then, uh, you know, maybe we'll have you on in, in the near future, and we can just keep going on this conversation. So I'd love that. I would That'd do be it, great. I man. would do it all day long, all day, every day. All day. All day. We, we, right have now. we have a new podcast format. It, it's twenty four <laughs> hours a day. Yes. Yes. I mean, now you're in I mean, spirit, Tom. Done. Done. <laughs> all right, friends. All right. We're going to break. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Steve.
right, welcome back. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our interview with uh, with Steve Weens. And you know, before we we get out of this, because we did, well, we I enjoyed it, we did right? That was great. It's great. Yeah, I dare say that was one of our better interviews that we've had. Uh, and, and I not think it's because all of us, us, but because of no, you. no, no, it's all on us. We were asking great yeah. questions. Oh, we, were we were awesome. Light. I did preach. Not pastor tongue. Preach. Oh man. Okay. So before we before we get out of here, though, what do we, do we have any closing thoughts? Josh, why don't you start? Well, I like I said in the interview with Steve, I love questions, and for me, at least in my spiritual disciplinary life, is that a is that a thing? You nailed it, buddy. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Um, anyway, in my own spiritual life, uh, I I feel comfortable in the realm of questioning. Not in a sense of like, oh, does God exist? Or is everything that I'm reading made up or you know, deceiving me in some way? However, I, I, I constantly find myself returning to scripture with more questions than answers. And that's a comfortable space for me to be. So I appreciated that kind of you know, um, insight from Steve as well. Yeah, I think that that definitely was interesting. I, um, kind of, I, I guess in that same vein, um, you know, he talked about the Socratic method a lot. And, and of course, Socrates is perhaps most well known for the, the Socratic question or this, the Socratic statement is that the unexamined life is not worth living. And, uh, I was actually recently asked what one thing bothers me most in the world and it's probably that people don't examine their lives very well uh, mm. and that we have mm -hmm. a, sh a sort of shallow existence oftentimes. And so yes. what questions do is force us to dig deep into our own beliefs, our own convictions, um, and, and think deeply about the, the life we've been given. Excellent. You know, the one thing that I think about when it comes to this questioning piece, and it kind of brings a full circle to his interview with, with Rob Bell, I happened to listen to another interview uh, with Rob Bell just a couple days ago, and he was talking about how when we're looking at Scripture and we and we are asking questions and we are curious and and thinking about how this all means for us, that this does not mean that we are a bad Christian, that we are somehow have unbelief because we are asking these questions, but that is exactly what what we should be doing, what we need to be doing when when we are digging into Scripture because it leads us it leads us to greater understanding. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Well, hey, friends, uh, we are going to roll out of here, but we uh, last call, last call, last call. Have you ever heard a bartender yell last call like this? Okay, enough. Enough. Okay. Okay. Listen to this I could have kept talk. going. Just for the record, I could have kept going. We're really proud of you. Okay, shout out first and foremost goes out to our good friend mrs janet o'neill thank you for your continued support uh we greatly appreciate it um can i call you mom janet can i call you mom you know also janet janet would be absolutely thrilled if you called her mom listen if janet o'neill can text us at 612-208-6258 and and affirm my desire to call her mom then I've accomplished my goal with this podcast. It's happening. So text us yeah, there. That's got to happen. 208-6258. Also check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on Instagram. We occasionally keep up with those things. 
And as always, be sure to check out our friends at The Gospel Economist. That's medium.com slash the-gospel-economist. Uh, and uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back in a couple weeks. See you on the flip side. Bye.